When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to take a ride on the Steelers Afternoon Drive with our co-hosts, Alan Saunders and Zachary Smith. Welcome to another episode of Steelers Afternoon Drive. I'm Zachary Smith. That is Alan Saunders. Alan, we got a guest again. After a couple episodes, just us two, somebody's riding shotgun again with us. It's great. It's it's good. It's good. I don't and, and for a little bit of this this period, I was all alone. So that was really scary. So there's strength in numbers. Sure. The strength of the pack is the pack, as Mike Tomlin would say. Really glad to have Derek Clausen uh at QB class, which is a an elite Twitter handle, I would say. Uh Derek mm-hmm. is a, one of the football analysts that I respect and, and admire the most. I think he does great work. We got to meet up through a mutual friend at the combine last year. Are you gonna be at the combine again this year? We'll probably be uh hooking up again in a week or so and uh but uh really glad to have you on to talk about well the quarterbacks because that's your thing and that seems to be the thing that the Steelers fans want to talk about anyway so it's great synergy yeah thanks for having me on guys I really appreciate it and yes I will be at the combine this year so it'll it'll be nice to 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 chat again yeah that'll be great um Alan, you know, we've had a lot of conversations about quarterbacks, and for the people that are tired of that happening, go ahead and exit out of this episode, because we're talking about quarterbacks <laughs> a lot more on today's episode. Uh, if you couldn't already tell, again, with the handle being QB class, when I saw that that was his handle, perfect, love it. Um, actually, we're going to start, we're going to take a step back, though, and talk about Mason Rudolph, maybe a quarterback that we haven't talked a ton about on every, you know, the conversation with the Steelers is Kenny Pickett, or an outside candidate of Justin Fields, and we can get into that stuff as well. But Mason Rudolph, who is set to hit unrestricted free agency, uh, you know, has definitely had his fair share of criticism happen in Pittsburgh, but the, like that last stretch of games that he played last season to get the Steelers into the playoffs has certainly given him a, a subset of this fan base that would love to have him back, and not only have him back, but have him back as QB1. So, you know, this is obviously a, a topic that I want to talk about, because what is the best path, not necessarily for the Steelers, but for Mason Rudolph into free agency how should he be approaching this what type of opportunity should he be looking for is it realistic to think he's going to be able to go somewhere else and compete for a starting spot at least for me personally I would not think it's very realistic for for him to go be competing somewhere else I mean I think he played admirably for Mm -hmm. the situation that he was thrown into but I, I just didn't see anything that was that would you know maybe to use a mean word but like to trick other GMs into thinking that this is a quarterback one for them. I just, I have a really hard time with that. Like, I don't even think this is as good as, as a player, like, um, you know, what Jacoby Brissett has done in certain stretches when he's been a spot starter. I don't even think this was that good or even close to that good. So I would be shocked if Mason Rudolph, you know, looked elsewhere and, and found a quasi quarterback one, you know, job that he could go compete for. I think his best course of action is to probably stay in Pittsburgh um, you know, he's, he's familiar with everyone here. And if he doesn't think that he's going to go get a quarterback one type of job, or at least a shot at one elsewhere, it probably just makes more sense to kind of stay where you're familiar and, um, and all that sort of stuff. So again, I thought he played admirably, probably the best he's ever played as a Steeler this past year, but again, not anything where I'm, you know, lining up to go pay him and, and see if, if there's something there. 
I wonder if he would prefer a job where he knows he's going to be the backup, but it's maybe a job with some stability. I, I don't know. I just think that it's pretty clear the Steelers coaching staff, like, the, you know, he was there like, you know, pull handle in case of emergency quarterback. They did everything they could to not play him, including let Mitch Trubisky lose three straight games before they went to him. I don't know. Like if he could get a, if he could get a really good backup job, I mean, I don't know that that's going to pay any differently. I kind of feel like Steelers fans have fallen in love with three games of fool's gold. Uh, I think uh, they've been so downtrodden about the quarterback play that any sign of life was just hearts in the eyes. But, you know, I see a lot more uh, like Jake Browning in those three games of, of Mason Rudolph than I do, you know, some guy that I think is, is poised to go be a starting quarterback, frankly, here or anywhere else. Um, it, it, so I, I don't know, like it is, I, I don't know what the future lies for him, but I just have a hard time seeing like the, the two sides here, both agreeing like, yes, you coming back is the best thing for everyone. Um, I think he should probably want to take a look around based on kind of the way he's been treated here. I don't think he's going to get a, a real opportunity to start somewhere, but if he goes to, you know, a place like New England where there's gonna, probably going to be an unsettled situation, I, don't know, I think that could work out for him. Uh, I'm, I'm just really, and then this on, on the Steelers side of things, if they're only going to bring in one other quarterback besides Kenny Pickett, don't you think it needs to be someone that's better than Mason Rudolph? <laughs> that that is a yes. great point. That is a great point. And also, I guess to you know, on on Rudolph's side, it's like maybe you don't want to come back to probably be quarterback three because whether or not they, you know, whatever they do to bring in competition for Kenny Pickett, I don't. I think they're going to bring in somebody else to some degree. But it's like it's Pickett competing with somebody else, then Rudolph is just kind of stuck for third again. I guess that probably doesn't feel very good for him either. So, yeah, let's say that you know the steel. Not even think about the Steelers' perspective. Say they they want him back and and they put an offer in his hands, but he also like looking around the league or in Pittsburgh is something that should be on his mind. You know, the health of Kenny Pickett. We've seen him miss significant time, but also the poor performance. Like those two things going hand in hand and saying, okay, like even if Kenny does win this job from the get go, they clearly want him to be the starter as an organization. If that is the mindset that he has. Um, would that be something that should be on his mind is, is Kenny's health and also the poor performance that has gotten in bench before. Probably. Right. Like, like I said, I don't think there's going to be anywhere where he's going in like to training camp thinking that he's going to be competing for a job, but his best spots are probably places where it's like, we don't really know what we're getting. Like even maybe somewhere like, I don't know, Tennessee could make sense. If like Will Levis is just an absolute train wreck six weeks in, maybe he gets a you know a chance there just something like that so I, I do think that's probably his biggest consideration for wherever it is that he ends up i, don't know I can see that. him going to a place um you know maybe not the top two guys because they'll probably start right away but like whoever drafts jj mccarthy and whoever drafts Jaden daniels is gonna want someone to be like you know one just like a responsible older veteran guy in the room and, and just a Hey, like, what if this guy doesn't work out the way we thought he was? We're going to need a quarterback here. And and not all those teams have, like, great options. You know, those teams that are drafting. Like, Atlanta, like, I expect them to cut Taylor Heineke. They they may have nobody in their quarterback room by the end of this. You know, somebody like Washington could be looking for someone like that. I think there's lots of fits for him. I'd be a little bit surprised if he ends up coming back to Pittsburgh. And, and you know, the other part of this is I do think the Steelers, you know, are probably going to draft a quarterback later like day three 
I expect that the three quarterbacks will be someone that they sign or trade for Kenny Pickett and a draft pick. And I do think it's kind of crazy to not aim higher than Mason Rudolph. If you're only going to bring in one veteran guy for that role, we've talked a lot about a lot of the options out there. Ryan Tannehill, obviously with his connections to Arthur Smith has been one that's been talked a lot. You today in in your uh, article for 33rd team suggested Justin Fields, it's one that the fans are very excited about. Um, I'm not sure it's as like perfect of a situation just based on the price tag. I like the player. How much do you think that that comes into picture here? The the price tag for him? I actually so got to trade something to get him, right? So it's not like you're just signing a free agent. I don't know how much it's going to be. Probably a, a maybe a like two picks or a second round pick or something like that. And then, but you've also got to pick up a twenty three million dollar option on 2025 before he ever plays a down in your scheme which is i think a pretty significant um you know reason for pause in this deal it it is i what i would say is that compared to the other free agents like there's none of the other free agent quarterbacks who are giving you like a long-term potential like if you go get kirk cousins like you you're getting like two three years if you go get baker mayfield like Okay, yeah, he's younger, but like we know what Baker Mayfield is at this point. Um, Jacoby Brissett, same thing. Like he's a bridge. Like all these other guys, they're kind of just are what they are, and you might be able to get better quarterback play than you got a year ago, but like in the long term, this is not doing a whole lot for you. Justin Fields, maybe he never gets to his potential, and at this point, it's probably more likely that he doesn't than he does. But like this is a swing at a top you know, 12 quarterback. It's a guy who you think if you can fix a couple of things and get him to mature a little bit, he can get into that range. So like, that's kind of the premium that you're paying. And I think if you're Pittsburgh, I'm actually kind of fine doing that. um, Because I think generally they, they're pretty well coached around the board everywhere else. So like, if you can just kind of take this swing on a quarterback that you're not going to get in this draft, like where they're picking, I don't think they're going to get anybody that's as close to as talented as Justin Fields, um, either coming out of college or as he is now. So I, I think it's a fine premium to have to pay relative to some of their other options. So Arthur Smith coming in as the offensive coordinator, does that make it in your mind an even better fit than it would have otherwise? Like is Arthur Smith being the OC, why the Pittsburgh Steelers are a better fit than these other teams around the league for Justin Fields? I, I think it helps. I, I mean, I wanted fields in atlanta when arthur smith was in atlanta so him coming to pittsburgh i think makes a lot of sense because i think in a lot of ways the problem in chicago with justin fields um one i mean he does have a couple of limitations as a passer that's why they i think were so screen heavy that's why they didn't throw over the middle quite as much as some other offenses but i think generally they did okay to get into the structure of like okay, we want to run the ball a lot. We want to be under center as much as we can. We want to take shot plays. Okay, Arthur Smith can do a lot of that stuff. I think Chicago really struggled to marry that with some of the quarterback run game and pistol stuff that Justin Fields really, really can do. That's not an issue with Arthur Smith. Like we saw Arthur do it with Marcus Mariota um, two years ago. And then even last year, like some of it with Desmond Ritter, even though Ritter isn't quite that level Mm -hmm. of runner. So I think Arthur Smith can probably marry the two like Justin Fields worlds together better than I think ever happened in Chicago. I I'm curious about the Atlanta thing, right? Because I mean, he passed on, well, I mean, it wasn't just him, right. But like the Atlanta front office, when he was head coach passed on drafting fields and took Kyle Mm -hmm. Pitts instead, I have to wonder, you know, who was driving that decision 
And if if it was Arthur Smith, why he didn't want him there, and if he'll have changed his mind about him in the intervening years. Yeah, I have no idea what the like, especially to there was a report the other day. I don't know how, you know, great it was or like how accurate it was, but they said, you know, Fields was near the top of the Falcons board. And it's like, okay, well then why didn't they pick him? Like that's probably I it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So I don't know. That is one situation to me that that seems a, a little bit weird. Like I don't understand why they would have passed on him at the time. Um maybe he just kind of thought he could get by with not having a superstar at quarterback. Um, not that Fields is a superstar, but theoretically at the time he could have been. Um, so maybe now with everyone's situation being a little bit changed, he's a little bit more open to that idea of Fields. Well, I like the, the theory that you put out there because it fits with the, a theory that I've put together about the Steelers and where they're headed. And uh, you can tell me it's dumb and doesn't make any sense, or maybe that I might be right, but it's just a bad idea, which certainly the Steelers are capable of having. I feel like the entire offensive coordinator search process that landed on Arthur Smith after they had talked to guys like Cliff Kingsbury, Zach Robinson, Jared Johnson really felt like to me that this was a hire that was sort of an admission that they're not going to get great quarterback play at least right away. I mean, compared to those other guys, if like, the, if I'm gonna if I thought that there was a real good chance I was trading for Justin Fields this offseason, wouldn't I hire like someone who was more of a quarterback guru developer, someone that had you know more closely worked with players like that in the past than Arthur Smith? Where like Arthur Smith to me feels like the guy that you hire when you're resigned to having Kenny Pickett as your quarterback. No, like that's he won with Ryan Tannehill. He got Ryan Tannehill to the number four offense in the NFL. That feels like the guy you hire when you're just like, hey, we're not going to do it. Like, we got to find a better way. I hadn't thought of that, but it, it kind of does track, you know, maybe maybe that wasn't necessarily their thinking going in, but it was kind of like a baked in insurance plan for the Arthur Smith hire. It's like, we could still try to go get really good quarterback play or somebody who's interesting. But if we don't, you know, we've seen Arthur Smith put it together with Mariota. He got the best out of Ryan Tannehill. He got the last of whatever was left of Matt Ryan in um, 2021 or whatever that was. So I think that's, that's kind of a good point. Like, again, I don't think they went in thinking they're not going to get good quarterback play but it is a pretty nice fail safe to have with Arthur Smith. Cause we have seen him put together good offenses without elite quarterback play before. And really when you look at the Steelers defense and, and how good it, you know, it has been and, and, you know, should be expected to be like, if they got, even if they had average offense, they would have been having a home playoff game this year. And, and oh yeah, you know, I'm not saying they're going to be considered to be a favorite to win the AFC. As long as, you know, you have the Mahomes chiefs, and, and Josh Allen and Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson there, but they would have been one of the better teams in the conference if they just got average offense. Like, I don't think that's – is that a plan that's going to turn them into Super Bowl favorites? No, but like given the circumstances and really – I mean, like you said, Justin Fields is really the only guy that there's any chance of them landing that could really even possibly be an elite quarterback. I, I really think that's a terrible perspective to have to say, hey – quarterback thing might not work out we should probably find ourselves a guy that can win if even if it doesn't 100 percent. i think it just makes sense interesting 
it like, but I, I, and it's when you brought that up, I started to think about it too. Like Derek and I have talked a lot about just like the built-in other Derek, Derek Bell. <laughs> I've talked about like the built-in guardrails within this offense for the quarterback. And you like, then your mind really starts to wonder what happens if they do get elite quarterback play or just even well above average quarterback play within this offense. Cause we really haven't seen it within Arthur Smith's offense. You're talking about, uh, obviously there's some limitations to it. Not much of a drop back passing game, but when you think about Justin Fields and like the idea of the play action, all the boots, the QB runs, uh, you know, him turning around, just handing the football off to Najee Harris and Jalen Warren 30 times a game. Like, yeah, I, I mean, it seems like it's almost an offense that could be catered to a guy like that. Um, so, Derek, my next question would be, uh, and we want to talk about Pickett too, but my next question would be just based off because I was reading your article right before we jumped on here. Uh, if not Justin Fields, who else within this this bracket, whether it's a free agent or, you know, I don't know if there's another guy via trade that you would think about or somebody else would be somebody that you would think would be a good addition to the Steelers quarterback room? I mean, if they can get Kirk, I, I would be interested in that. I think Kirk is honestly better than than people give him credit for. Cause I feel like the thing, the thing that happened with Kirk is seven years ago. I think we all decided who he is and we kind of just got locked into that, but he really has become a better quarterback. I think since then he's just seen a lot more. I think he handles pre-snap a lot better. Um, he still is what he is at the end of the day in a lot of ways. Like he's just physically maxed out or whatever, but I think he's a really smart veteran quarterback that, that would be a lot better than they got out of Kenny Fickett and Mason Rudolph last year. Um, but I truthfully don't think he's leaving Minnesota. And then the other free agent option would be like Baker Mayfield. I don't think he's leaving Tampa Bay. So realistically, you're kind of left with like Jacoby Brissett, who I actually think you can get like average to above average production out of. I think what he did in Cleveland uh, two yeah, years ago yeah. was honestly really, really good. Like, and it would be kind of some similar stuff that like Stefanski was doing to what Arthur Smith is doing. Um, kind of that under center, heavier formations, run the ball, um, play action, all that sort of stuff. So I think it could be a, a decent fit. Like if that was their bridge to getting another guy, like if they signed Brissett, I would want to also draft somebody at some point, but, but that would be kind of the, probably their best play among the, among the group. Alan, any thoughts on that? No, I, I like Jacoby Brissett a lot. I thought he was great in Cleveland. I, the other name that I think is interesting is Sam Darnold. I just think he's a guy that like has mm. like, it, like, a very high floor just in terms of like you kind of know that you're like if Pickett goes out there and it's just a mess again like you could he's a guy that you could turn to and would probably be pretty good I, I thought he looked like maybe better than Brock Purdy when he played for San Francisco <laughs> this year like and look there are 49ers fans out there that were saying hey this, this is pretty good uh you know I, I don't know if that's a long-term thing but I think he's an interesting guy um I really think that there's a big advantage if the Steelers are all in on Kenny Pickett, and that's where we're going to go next, uh, to having the second guy have some familiarity with the offense already so you don't have a coordinator teaching two guys at the same time a new offense. So I think I think that puts, for me, like Tannehill, Mariota, Taylor Heineke, if he gets cut um, to the front of the line, I think those guys will probably be really interesting for the Steelers. Uh, I do want to ask you about Kenny Pickett. It does feel like the Steelers are fairly committed to giving him another shot. It seems like when they decided to fire Matt Canada in the middle of last season that they had come to the conclusion that of their offensive problems, which were many, Canada was the source of more of them than the quarterback was, right? They fired the coordinator before they ever benched their quarterback. And then Kenny Pickett played one pretty good game against the Cincinnati Bengals, got hurt, and we didn't see him again the rest of the year. 
So we really have zero, I mean, one game sample to see like what Kenny Pickett looks like with not Matt Canada as quarterback. It sure seems like the Steelers are holding on to some hope that he will look better with not Matt Canada as his, as his offensive coordinator with, with you know, Arthur Smith in there. Is that realistic hope or are they just kind of grasping at straws at this point with a guy going into his third year at, it's going to be 26, I think. So I think it is realistic to expect Kenny Pickett to be better than he was with Canada. Cause I don't think Matt Canada did that offense really any favors. I think especially like the way that they designed their drop back passing game was very like high school JV team. Like they just kind of ran the most basic day one stuff in the, simplest ways simplest formations and that was kind of all they did and when you're presenting that to nfl defenses it's they're gonna have a really easy time teeing off on you um so i i do think Pickett could be better with a more inventive creative helpful play caller at the same time like what is better for kenny pickett like where are we really going with this like to me i just don't really see a world where kenny pickett is ever even really like an above average quarterback where I'm talking like, you know, the, the 12 to 16 range, like even that, cause to me, that range is like, I don't know, your, your Jared Goff's, your Brock Purdy's, your like two attack of my lowest quarterbacks that are functional and can be productive, but are not elite players. I think even getting into that range is like really tough for Kenny Pickett just because of the way he kind of refuses to throw over the middle of the field. I think some of his accuracy can be a little bit spotty outside of quick game. And then I think he's just way too quick to leave the pocket for an NFL quarterback. So I think he could be better, just not ever really what they drafted him to be, I think. And I think that's honestly the really scary part about this for the Steelers is like, okay, let's say that Kenny Pickett gets like 20% better. They win 12 games and they still have a quarterback that has like a 91 passer rating and is... 15th or 16th best in the NFL like then are you gonna go give him his fifth year option like I, I don't I don't know like that's the that's honestly like the, the scariest like I mean on, on one hand look if the team's really good and you're not getting good quarterback play I mean this is the Kansas City Chiefs model right this is the like hey we have Alex Smith but like we understand we're never getting farther than this with him let's go trade up and get Patrick Mahomes and, and go do something so maybe that's what they could do but it also feels like it would be very tempting to kind of fall in love with mediocre at that point too. And I think that's, that's probably the really scary option here. I think it's especially scary because like, let's say you have a guy who came out of college who was 21 and they have a shaky, you know, first couple of years, but then by year three, they kind of turn it on and then you end up having to pay them all that sort of stuff when they're younger and you can kind of see the developmental track better than that. And maybe they're supremely talented, something like that. I get it. But with Kenny Pickett, like you guys said, like he's going to be 26 uh, at or by, or by the end of the season, which is pretty old for a guy who's only in his third year. His birthday's um, in June, so it'll be before the season starts. He turns 26. Even worse. <laughs> yeah. And so you're going to be you're going to be kind of stuck on this guy who is probably maxed out in terms of the way that he plays, um, and then also physically he's maxed out. Like he's an above average NFL athlete. And his arm is like fine, but he's not in the, you know, top five arm, top five athlete, anything like that, where you're willing to, you know, let this string out a little bit further to see how it can develop. So I just think he's in a really weird spot, like developmentally, where I would be so terrified to get stuck with wanting to pay him after year three. Yeah, I guess the um, other option to that is that they really don't have a lot of hope that Kenny Pickett will be better. They've just looked at their team 
and looked at what it's going to cost to get Justin Fields, that he's really the only guy like that out there and say, maybe this isn't the year. Maybe we just kick the can down the road. We work on the offensive line. We get the defense, uh, you know, some help in the secondary and we come back to this uh, position a year from now. I, I am of two minds of this. I think the quarterback position is too important to really ignore. You have to at least be trying all the time. But I think that there is also like a like a Cleveland Browns factor, right, where if you're like taking big swings at quarterback year after year after year, even if by the time you finally get one, the rest of your team is going to be so bad that it's not going to matter because you will have let the rest of it go to pot. I like is is it is it too soon for them to take another big swing at quarterback or is like a little bit of patience here not the worst idea? I I don't know. I don't know that there's a right or a wrong answer to that, but I I'd like your opinion. I mean, I think this is a weird year um, for them to do it because I they're obviously not going to get one of the two top two guys in this draft um, between Caleb, uh, Caleb Williams and Drake May. They're probably not going to get Jaden Daniels because he's probably going to go three or four one way or another, whether it's a trade up, blah, blah, blah. So they would kind of be stuck with taking someone like J.J. McCarthy, who to me, I think is an interesting prospect, but is not going to fix anything year one in this offense. Um, and then you get stuck with other older prospects who, like like Pickett was in guys like Bo Nix and Michael Penix. And then even then, it's like that probably doesn't really <laughs> make a whole lot of sense if, we, if they're trying to swing. We have Bo Nix at home. <laughs> right, you have Bo Nix at home. You, you found him next door. Like there's really no point in trying to do that again. Um, so I actually wouldn't really blame them for kicking kicking the can and then kind of just letting the season play out and seeing like if it completely blows up then you're going to have a much higher pick and you're going to be able to take whoever next year and if it doesn't completely blow up then at least you have like another year of confirmation of like okay this is clearly not good enough now we need to go do something yeah real quick out of curiosity Derek uh where did you if you fully remember uh like how did you evaluate Kenny Pickett when he was coming out of college I thought he was like a third round pick. I just, I didn't think physically he was up to standard of a first round pick. Like, like he is an above average athlete, but he's not someone you're going to actually use in the designed run game all that much. He's more of like a scrambler who can, who can kind of go make plays, which I thought was valuable, but not like, Oh my God, I need to draft this top 10. And then his arm, I think he could kind of get like, miles per hour over the middle and he could throw it down the field. But I thought outside the numbers, he, he really had some issues outside of just like throwing a go ball, which I'm sorry if everybody above the high school level should be able to do that. So that to me was not like a, a, mm -hmm. a saving factor for him. And then my, my biggest issue with him was just, he was a guy who played a lot of football. He started for like four or five seasons. And to me, he was still a very incomplete processor. Like there were just times where, he would be opening the one side of the field that didn't make sense based on alignment, or he would just like shortcut reads that didn't make any sense. Um, or he would turn down throws that should be open if he was able to anticipate them. But like he was a beat late and he just didn't want to throw it just all that sort of stuff. And I think we still see, especially the middle of the field stuff popping up for him today where he's just very hesitant to throw that area of the field. So I thought he could be like a functional backup, you know, with some of his creativity, his arm was okay. But I just really struggled to see a guy who would ever be like a franchise, franchise quarterback. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of that sounds uh, pretty correct. So, <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I thought that he was going to go in the first round just because, I don't know, it's, those are tough evaluations when 
you have a guy who's probably not a first round talent, but is also just very clearly the best of the available quarterbacks. And like, and so like, the class how long are, how long are teams really going to wait? Like, I was on record as saying I like Malik Willis better, just in terms of like I, I would rather take the swing on uh, the the high upside, even if it's a lower percentage chance, just because you know otherwise you can get Kenny Pickett. Like you could, like, there's one of those guys mm-hmm. in every draft. Uh, if you turn Malik Willis into Mike Vick, then uh, then you've done it, and you don't ever need to do it again, probably for the rest of your career. Uh, that's 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 good enough one time, and so uh, yeah, I think that's. Sounds pretty accurate. I think they. I, I do think that they're probably going to go with him again. I, I. I don't know that the Fields thing is going to work. I, I think there will probably be a team that will want to give more than them. I think they'll be afraid of the. The. I think they really will be afraid of the fifth year option. They, they always operate tight to the cap. They like to re-sign their own guys. You know, they. They don't have twenty million like laying around to like commit to a maybe a quarterback. I think they would much rather. Uh, draft a guy again if Kenny turns out to not be the answer. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, Derek, I don't know if you're familiar if Alan told you how the end of the show always I did works, not. This is really going to be totally ad hoc, and that's my fault. But, you know, <laughs> uh, I just want to talk this. about want to talk about you and your journey a little bit, obviously, with what you do. Uh, you know, you do the NFL draft stuff or Bleacher Report, the QB charting stuff that you do. You're with the 33rd team, obviously. Uh, we mentioned that. But, like, how do we get to this point? How did you get to the point of getting into this line of work and just, like, your journey to where you are at now? I mean, kind of, like, by accident. So, um, in in high school, I think my sophomore year, I had, I had played soccer for a while. But then my sophomore year, I just – I quit – but I was like, I should probably be productive in, in some sense after school. Um, so I just kind of started watching like draft prospects and stuff. And then I just, you know, kind of started writing about it on my own. Um, and then I just kind of started asking people like, hey, can I publish here, you know, for free, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of just went from there. And then like a year after that, I realized people would start giving me money to do it. And then a couple of years after that, I realized they'd give me more money to do it. And I was like, okay, I guess I will just keep watching football and, and writing words about it. And so it was kind of just something I stumbled into because I, I just needed something to fill my free time in high school. That's, that's, that's awesome. awesome. That sounds very similar to the way I ended up here, um, which is just great. It was totally by accident as well. Uh, and I love that, uh, that that is the path for so many of us because it seems like that's – like you would think that like, oh, my God, I'd never heard of that happening to anyone. And, yeah, like I – I meet people all the time. Right. That's, how, how <laughs> that's it. half this business. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's really uh, yeah. Don't don't the Columbia Journalism School is really not the way you get to writing about the NFL draft. You just go do it and you figure it out. And uh, people, if you're good at it, people will find you. Derek is one of the very best at it. Really awesome to uh, have you on. Good to catch up with you in Mobile. See you again in Indy. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much. Well, that's everybody where you, they can find all your work. You're right everywhere, so I, I don't want to miss anything. <laughs> yeah, um, you, you can find me on Twitter at QB Class with a K. Um, I, I do my quarterback charting stuff over at Reception Perception, which is Matt Harmon's thing. Um, I actually just started rolling out some of the profiles. Caleb Williams is up on the site right now. Um, my other draft stuff is over at Bleacher Report, and then my NFL stuff that I was doing during the season over at the 33rd team. There we go. Good stuff, man. Alan. I really appreciate you having us. I'm Alan Saunders, A. Saunders underscore PGH. PGH Steelers now. SteelersNow.com. That's it. Go. Go. Oh, good, good story oh, yeah. on uh, Marius Mims. I talked to uh, ESPN's uh, Matt Miller about him, and he is a very interesting prospect. Could be 
good for the Steelers at number 20. Started eight games in college. Going to have a lot of work to do to convince people at the Combine that that's not insane that they should use a first-round pick on him. And I yeah. don't think it is. He's very good. would be cool to put him back with Broderick Jones in Pittsburgh. So uh, go check that out. And we need a tease for tomorrow's guest. Oh, a tease for tomorrow's guest. Uh, I believe that tomorrow's guest will be the first guest on this show that has cashed an NFL paycheck. There you go. There we go. Like, subscribe, hit that notification bell here. Hit us in the comments with any questions, comments, concerns. Leave us a five-star review if you're listening somewhere else, Apple, Spotify, wherever those might be. For Zachary Smith, Alan Saunders there, thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time. Thanks for jumping in. Take another ride on the Steelers Afternoon Drive. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply.